in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Eight o'clock hour, press box. JBT's here, John Von Tobel. John, what do you got going on today with VSIN? Ooh, I got a busy day. Uh, so from here, I'm going to head straight down to the Summer League. Uh, Seth Part now works for the Athletic, former Bucks uh, front office executive. Uh, I'm going to have a sit down with him at about 11.30, 12.30. Amino Hassan, former uh, Phoenix Suns front office executive, Metal Arc Media. I'm going to sit down with him at 12.30. And then, this is cool. Uh, the head executive for sports betting for the NBA is going to be on set with us live during the edge uh, at one thirty, I believe. Talk nice. about uh, sports betting from the NBA's perspective. So Very nice. Good stuff. Very nice. You guys built a, a real nice set down there that we're using in the afternoon, so we appreciate it. I got to tell you, like, uh, so these names, you know, because they were behind the scenes folks, but Ken and Dez, uh, they're two of our technical uh, folks behind the scenes at VSIN. Um, the, they built the desk and everything. They did a bang up job. They were absolutely fantastic. They've been running it down. They've been down there every day. Uh, folks like that don't get enough credit, Steve. Of course. So they've done a tremendous job and, uh, I can tell you the figures behind it. Uh, let's just say that the people who wanted the desk got a really bang up deal for the way that they built that desk. Yeah. Um, and it looks really good if you've seen some of it. So very good job by Ken Des and the others who've been running that. I love the collaboration. Yeah, I've been really surprised. V- like, v- and Lotus working together. Yeah. It's great. Well, and actually, because, look, it's media stuff, so it doesn't really matter. But everybody's been – so, like, The Athletic has recorded their shows there. Uh, Dan Levitard's Metal Arc Media have been recording their shows there. Uh, like, a lot of people have been using that set uh, for a lot of different stuff. So, that's – to me, again, just commending all the behind-the-scenes people because a lot of people use it for a lot of different stuff and has been going off without a hitch. Let's start off the 8 o'clock hour very positive. Well, we kind of did. Um, dumber thing to do. Fight in the stands at an NBA Summer League game or work out on vacation. Okay. Might not look like it. <laughs> but I have been workout on vacation guy. What? Because here's the thing. But I think it's a good thing. Because then you can go ham more later without more without guilt. You know what I mean? If you get a good workout in the morning, then I don't mind going to get a nice prosciutto sandwich with like some desserts and fixings and beer and whatnot later. Why do you have guilt? It's a vacation. Some people do. It's a vacation. Let loose. Yeah, some uh, some lady, Lil Plant Miami, said, we're not drinking alcohol and eating garbage on vacation. Cool. We're waking up at 5 a.m. for sunrise beach yoga, drinking fresh juice, and eating fruit for two weeks. You well, know what I got to say to that? Up yours. Okay. I'm not doing any of that, especially the 5 a.m. I might be up at 5 a.m., but I ain't getting up at 5 a.m. But that's really dumb, though. Like, that's something different. That's not just exercising nah. on vacation. That's dieting This is like a, this is like a fitness competition right. person, like fitness competitor. It. We get it. Yeah, you're okay. superhuman. Yeah. Show like, off. Be quiet. Go eat something. Okay? Pipe down. Now, we're not going to fight. We're not going to fight her because we're not violent people. Uh, but Mr. Uh, Chubbalot, who was at the NBA Summer League the other day. So you're talking about me. I was like, whoa, dude. What, was, what, was, what is going on in the stands? Can we send this video out on uh, ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter? There's some dude. All we, all we see is some dude talking trash to people behind him. He flips off his hat in the air because he's pointing to different people. He flips off his hat, and there's like there's two boys like right behind him who are probably like 15, 
there's a woman in front of him, and then next thing you know, it, it shoots to a clip where someone does come down and is like, all right, let's go. It's MMA time. And just destroys him. His ass crack is hanging out. And he just got annihilated. And then you're thinking, like, bruh, it's the summer league. What are you fighting about? It's the most chill environment ever. Do you have to be that fan in this town, in our building? James Weissman's not that good. <laughs> like, you're like screaming at What? Him. I mean, what is the screaming over? Josh Primo's 30-point breakout is nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know I'm with you. Well, what I love about the clip, though, is the first two seconds are the guy that flips the hat. Like, he's fully clothed, and he's dancing. And then it just cuts to shirts off. He's in the tank top, flips the hat. Then it cuts again to guy in full basketball gear, by the way. Like, he's got the matching <laughs> basketball shorts and yeah. jersey that's way too tight. Throwing very weak punches at his backside. It's one of the worst fights I've ever seen. Not only because of the setting, but also because of the physical nature of it. Guy couldn't get up. He couldn't get his balance. He, he looked pretty... I, I don't think he was annihilated. I was going to say, I don't want to assume, but given the way he couldn't catch his balance with the weak punches coming at him, he's either, and it's possible, very, very out of shape. Speaking of working <laughs> right. out on vacation, maybe, right. maybe that's the guy who should be doing or, it. Or, right, or he was just way far gone and like just couldn't, like his equilibrium was all off. Do you think he got a good 5 a.m. workout in at a win? He's like, I'm on he's, vacation. Is that where he's staying? I'm on vacation. So then I he's like, get I'll get annihilated at the game. And now, you know, I worked out this morning so I can fight. Nah, no, you can't. <laughs> he got a good 10 minutes in on the treadmill at three miles an hour. He's like, let's go. I'm feeling great. Do you think there's a chance he's this guy in the crowd where he's like, Ben Carroll, you suck! Number one pick, you suck! Like, do people, are people doing that? Are they heckling top draft picks? I haven't heard that. I, but I, I hope not. Personally, I, I would think, I would hope as well. Like, it's like a developmental showcase. I hope right. you're not. Now, we'll say, uh, and Adam told this story yesterday, uh, there was a story of a uh, media member in Media Row leaning over to a, an NBA executive after one quarter yeah. of the debut game and going, Jabari Smith Jr. sucks, I told you. And it's like, it's one quarter of Summer League, bro. <laughs> Chill out. So you're saying fans are as bad as some people in the media. Right. And by the way, if I was the NBA executive, I would lean back in and say, this is why you're not an executive and I am. Right. Don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> right. It's actually about, who are you? Shut up. So what's going on with Ben Carroll? He's done. He's not going to play in the Summer League anymore. How many guys are done already? Uh, well, I think high-profile guys have seen him. Shaden Sharp was done before he started. Well, he got injured, right? right. That was the difference. Right. So he's got a Here's small the, So Bancaro's a shutdown Yeah, case. because Bancaro's a... All right, you had 20-point games. Like, you're killing it. We're good. Like, we've seen enough. There's no need to risk this. You look fantastic. Let's just shut you down, and let's get let's get on to the you know preseason camps and whatnot. So, Bancaro's was a good shutdown. It was a, you're way too good for this. Let's get you on to the next season. So, what does this mean for you? What you've seen in the summer league? So, well, let's overreact after you said don't overreact. Well, I just think, for me, it's kind of just actually, like, my priors, I feel a little bit more solid about them. Like, coming into it, I'm not going to be the one that says, like, I knew Ben Carroll was going to be the first overall pick the whole time. But I did think that when you looked at all of the as- like all of the prospects, Ben Carroll had the lowest floor, and I still think a pretty high ceiling. I thought he was the most NBA-ready guy coming into the good way to put it, the lowest floor. I don't think he has the highest ceiling. Did I say highest ceiling? I said high. No, no, I, I no. Meant, I'm I meant saying to say I'm, high ceiling. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think he has the highest ceiling. Yeah, no, You're no, right. No. He has a high ceiling. I think there are other guys who can right, be a lot yeah. better. But I still think I think like, he'll be a solid pro, but I don't know if that justifies being the number one pick. Right. Well, but I think, too, like when you're talking about where the Magic, what he could potentially develop into, like in this summer league, for example, he's running the offense. He's showing how well he can pass. He's scoring in isolation. He's rebounding. Like he's doing a whole bunch of stuff that I think when you're looking at that, you're going, you know, if he'd like, if he takes, because there's all those different probabilities, right? All these different paths. If he takes like the right path, right, like the Doctor Strange one, you know, one outcome where he becomes like his best player, 
He'll be a really, really good player in the NBA, I think. Better or worse player down the road as compared to DeAndre Ayton? Oh, you're talking about Big Okay. Um, I think say better. Just because he really? does more. Because well, he does more, right? Like, Ayton's a center. He's not going to be a guy that you give the ball to and let him work and do all that kind of stuff. He's not going to pass. He's not going to make others around him better. Ben is a true face, the basket guy. He can, yeah. He's got three skills in, at 6'10". Yeah. In, ba- in today's NBA, like Ben Caro, if he's, again, if he's hitting at all three levels, he's going to be much more valuable at his peak than a guy like DeAndre Ayton would be. But isn't Ayton so much better defensively? That makes him a better player? It, it could be, right? I think Aiton has a lot more value in terms of his defense, but at the same time, when you're talking about, like, in, in basketball now, like, if you can get Bancaro to just be a high-effort guy defensively, that would make up for a lot in terms of how he already is really good on the offensive end, at least I personally think, right? So at the end of the season, we saw what happened with Aiton. Monty Williams and the Suns, especially Monty Williams, got pissed off at him. He was mouthing off. I'm guessing he had done that more than a few times. He wasn't playing in the most important times in a do-or-die playoff situation. So they're going to move him. And my reference to when that was all happening, we were, we were asking, you know, like, what's his value? Mm. Like, big guys now, some of them come in the league, and you're like, my God, this this is like our like our ninth, ninth most important player. What's his value? I think it's somewhat impactful. Like, if it's the right team around him. I think you want strong backcourt play, obviously, and that's yeah. You can speak that for a lot of centers, but I think for DeAndre Ayton, it's extremely strong. I mean, look how much better he got when Chris Paul got there, right? And I think Chris Paul, not only because of his game, but the way that he manages people, right? He's kind of a psychopath when it comes to basketball stuff. Yeah, uh, that it made him a little bit better. And you could make the case that Indiana, where they have Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, they have other young pieces there. Benedict Mathurin's look really good. Like they've really built up their backcourt. That if you put Ayton in that mix. It could probably work out pretty well for him. Rudy Gobert went for five first-round picks. So yeah. what's what's oh, Aiden, a much younger player and more dynamic player on both? Well, he's not as good defensively, but he could be better offensively. So what's he going to go for? Well, it's it's probably just Miles Turner. It seems like it's That's just it? going to be a swap. Yeah, it, like maybe there's other uh, like things at play there. So for those who don't know, so he's a restricted free agent. So you know these Pacers can sign him to an offer sheet, whatever. It does sound like the Suns and the Pacers are trying to work out a sign and trade where he would sign with the Suns and then they'd flip him over to the Indiana Pacers. Miles Turner would come back. I haven't seen any other you know things that have been attached to that. When those deals happen, you get those things attached. But it does seem like that's going to be the case if that happens. The Pacers have been really wanting it to happen. There's been this tie-up with Malcolm Brogdon. So Brogdon still officially has not been traded yet to Boston. Because he needs to do a physical first, but he's been on vacation, and they haven't been able to find like there's oh, wow. been all yeah there's really? been all this ridiculous stuff yeah. So he still hasn't been officially traded yet to Boston, and then they can't move forward past that until that happens. And actually, it's like this big domino effect, right? Because once Brogdon gets dealt officially, then you have the space to then offer DeAndre Ayton. Then the sign and trade can happen where you can swap Ayton and Miles Turner. Then the Suns know what they have to offer for Brooklyn if they still want to go and get Kevin Durant, and then maybe that starts to happen too. Like, there's all these little things that seem to have to happen before we get to, like, the big thing, which is where the hell Kevin Durant might go. Giveaway time, 364-1100. Caller 7, 364-1100. Two tickets, Dude Perfect, uh, Comedy Troop. I don't don't know what you call them. Uh, But they're at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, and I wasn't saying they're not good. I mean, they're playing a big building here, and uh, they're very, very popular. Dude Perfect, uh, Comedy Podcast, two tickets, 364-1100. Caller 7, you can get your own tickets at AXS.com. It's uh, this Saturday, July 16th, MGM Grand Garden Arena, Dude Perfect tickets. 
Look at Mustard off to the races, but all of a sudden loses his pants down around his ankles. He has no chance to catch uh -oh. the crew and uh -oh. a face plant. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Oh, Get your towels ready, it's about to go down. Everybody in the place hit the open deck, but stay on your mother's toes. We running this, let's go. I'm on a boat. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with our communication, but uh, Jared over the weekend, knowing that we were going to be in for at least a couple of days, we're in, you know, all five days this week. I'm not, but JBT Cofield with Ed and Tyler off, Jared sent out the request. He's like, yeah, guys, I want your summer jams. So we got, you know, just about halfway through this show and I'm like, uh, where are the summer jams? Like well, the, the stuff we sent over. So we figured out our communication issue. Uh, I'm on a boat. That's summary, isn't it? Absolutely. When, um, what's the Lonely Island? Yes. Yeah. Man, like, listen to that now. They had a peak, dude. Like, they actually were turning out some relatively decent songs. Well, they did uh, D in a Box, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of my favorites. And I, I've tried to pull it off uh, for karaoke. But oh, like in I front of people, to, that's, you, that's a good that's a good one. I thought, oh. you, I thought you meant you tried to pull off. <laughs> yeah, I tried to pull off the DNA. The, the SO was not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought like cocktail Frank in that case. Anyway, um, so hopefully I have some they more of the, got to, the summer jams. I also i I forgot that T Pain's in it. Yeah, and I I love T Pain now after seeing his backstory, and that Usher hates him and he thinks he ruined music with the auto tune, mm -hmm. which I think it's completely the opposite. I think he's like one of the greatest musical geniuses ever. And think about the think about the image that T Pain put forth. Like you watch it, you're like, oh, this guy's kind of hard edge. He's kind of a badass. And then you see him interviewed now, and he's like, he's just a regular guy. Oh yeah, well he's I just he's a computer. Got... He's just a computer nerd. Like he's just a nerd. He's like, he's big on streaming now, right? Like I've watched his like video game streams a couple of times now too. And he's actually yeah, he's pretty God, cool. I forget dude. he did. He actually sang something basically a cappella. He can sing. And he like it blew people away. He did it on some podcast. I was yeah. like, holy crap, this guy's really talented. Yeah, but work smarter, not harder, bro. Come on. Wait, what? The auto tune said, work smarter, oh, okay, not okay, harder. Okay, yeah. Like, what are we doing? I thought you said, wear smarter. No, no, yeah. work smarter, not harder. Like, Usher, like, who cares? You had to work on your angelic voice. Who cares? So, watch this. Watch this. Do we have to respect all nerds like I do, T Pain? That depends on the nerd. Like these football outsider guys. Football outsider, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know. You know, first of all, I'm going to say this. I've grown to like List because I think we can all digest it pretty easily. It's an easy conversation. You still have old school radio guys who are like, I hate List. Like, but most people don't have a lot of time to go real deep divey. So it's a surface conversation. And. Sometimes it takes off. I will say I'm so glad the Raiders are starting camp next week. I'm done with the list. Like I, it's like let's go. Come on, football. Let's go. I'm with you. Right? They did a they, on NFL.com the other day. They did like a draft of like you know players you want to win now. And of course, like the five, the first twelve picks were quarterbacks. Like yeah, yeah. of course. Like now, ooh. I will tell you. Ten minutes from now, we're going to talk NFL, and I will have a list. Yeah. So, but football outsiders did something a few days ago where they graded different quarterbacks. In the National Football League, and you know the the 
the car stands and the constant battle between the car detractors and the car stands in Raider Nation is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't need to go on 12 months a year. Eh. It's a civil but war. Car got a car is a B quarterback. I mean, if you rank it, okay, okay. If, if you count every <laughs> no, if you count if you count everyone, he would sit in a category that would have him around eleventh or twelfth. Yeah. So what's it's the, a different way of framing that he's a top twelve quarterback. Yeah. So you're complaining. I thought you were tired of the it, the way I took it is you didn't like his ranking. You're just tired of lists. I've just grown tired of like we've debated the entire summer and year. late in the season. Like, is he, he, but I mean, the discussion has been, does Devonte Adams and a, I think better OC, mm-hmm. you know, not the OC, but technically the head coach, right? Is that going to make him a top six guy? Good. Can That's- he, can he throw 35 touchdowns? Can he throw for 4,700 yards? Can Devonte Adams, Waller, McDaniels at OC cut his fumbles down from whatever, 17 to five. We have seen that play calling and scheme can maximize your quarterback's value, right? We see it all the time. Jared Goff is the best example of that in terms of how good that scheme was, that system was, and it maximized who he could be as a quarterback. That offense was awesome with Jared Goff. And then we saw how good it could be with Matthew Stafford. Um, so yeah, it absolutely could. Um, at the same time, I th- and it's, it's how you view it, too, because I remember reading reports out of New England last year. People were driven crazy by the conservative nature of their offense, especially when they got into the red zone. Now, how much of that was having Mac Jones and his mm-hmm. belly at quarterback as opposed to, right, a guy like Derek Carr he would really trust and I think has a better skill set in terms of physical tools. Will he really trust him? Who knows? I would assume he would. Gruden didn't. Yeah, but Gruden, I mean, Gruden's old. Josh McDaniels. <laughs> you ages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh McDaniels, you would think, is a little bit more forward. You automatically, that's it. And so Gruden didn't have any reason to be apprehensive in the red zone with Derek Carr. He's just old. He just walked in. He's like, we got we to gotta run the football down their throats, men. Like, yeah. Knock just on old. wood if you're with me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's, that's dumb. I, that. I don't want to knock on wood. I want to throw touchdown passes. Like, it's, it's, it's what, stupid. What if that happened in hard knocks? <laughs> somebody somebody <laughs> no, Carr car just snubbed him. Yeah. He's like, no. No more knocking on wood. <laughs> right. All right. Throw in the red zone. Our, and, and, and you know what? When we have a chance, you know, fourth and one or two, and we're at the 35, no more 52 yarders. Although their kicker's pretty good. Right. But like, can you imagine, too, how great would that be on Hard Knocks, too? It's like, football outsiders has us 23rd in rush DVOA. Let's stop <laughs> running the ball and let's start throwing it. Oh, car's car right. stating his case. He's, he's like, he's citing <laughs> analytics. And then Gruden shoots back. They've got just the 15th best quarter. No, I think that would be fun. Uh, no, I just look. I'm tired of lists as well. I want to see it all happen. And what's interesting, too, is, again, you can spin this any way you want. So if you look at Football Outsiders and their grading, for example, right, according to them, however you slice it, Lamar Jackson is a top-10 quarterback. Yesterday, Adam and I played a clip of Ryan Clark freaking out because Lamar Jackson, according to an ESPN thing, was not a top-10 quarterback. Like, it's, it's all over the place the way you grade these guys. You want to guess who the, uh, the top of the heap is? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Damn, it's almost like you have the list in front of you. Yeah. And then uh, you go probably after that, don't Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. <laughs> okay, next five. Uh, then in order. Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. That's unreal. <laughs> you actually, I think you flipped uh, Lamar Jackson Maybe and, I did and, and Russell Wilson. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like everyone's driving well, around right now. They're like, oh, I think he's reading the list. I have it right in front of me as I'm driving. Well, and here's the Please other thing. don't do that. And again, like this is, so I like analytics and numbers, right? You know how much I like data. But for me, my balance has always been using all of these different outlets as part of an entire recipe and then using it to build up a big picture. So, for example, if you look at PFF and their war metric, Russell Wilson has gotten worse 
each of the last three years by their own wins above replacement metric. But if you look at PFF grading, he was also just just their grading system, not wins above replacement. He was one of the best quarterbacks last year. Football Outsiders has him as a top 10 quarterback. You know, like there's just so many different ways you can cut it with these guys. At the end of the day, you take all of this information and you build your own picture. More rankings on the way. I just said I'm tired of the rankings and the list, but more rankings on the way. I didn't see where, and by the way, this list is four days old. I didn't see where this guy ranks based on this story. Headline in the UK, American Pie, the Mormon version. Zach Wilson and his girlfriend split over claims that he slept with his mom's best friend. Charles McDonald is in. We'll talk about, I mean, he has to get a boost, right? He's got to be at least a B now. Good for the Jets, Zach Wilson. It was a long year for sure. I'd say I think I stayed pretty positive the whole year. There were definitely some times where, especially after a game, you're going home and you're just like, man, you know, lost. You're on a losing streak of five or six games in a row. It gets a little rough. Like, you know, I hadn't lost more than five or six games probably my whole career up until that point. So that was definitely a reality check for sure. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Summer jams. This was a parody too, just like uh, I'm on a boat, right? Why do, why do they throw in the Chinese food makes me sick? You have to rhyme at some point. I know, yeah. come up with something better. Like, I don't need to. Like, it's a happy song on the uh, boardwalk, and he, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting the craps from Chinese. Like, uh, come what, on, yeah. LFO. I don't what, like, You got hot, you know, nice hot chicks in the. You now you're was, worried uh, about your freaking. What year did it come out? Ooh, maybe 290 something. I'm on it. All right. Yeah, well, I would assume, like, you know, like just name 2000? a quarterback, be like, you know, John Elway threw a pick. <laughs> you know, like, something like that. You can write songs. Yeah. You're very talented. Not really. Not really. I mean, remember Whitewash. That was one of the greatest things that I've ever pulled here at uh, Lotus as a producer. What is that? Uh, Whitewash was the time that I fooled our audience into thinking that I um, oh, would go at night and perform right. raps in you underground clubs un- underground under the pseudonym of Whitewash with a mask <laughs> nice. on. Yeah. Nice. Charles McDonald is with us. He's probably like, what the hell's going on here on Pressbox? Who are these yeah, guys? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Come on. Come on. <laughs> that was great sports radio there. Come on. So mm-hmm. we're we're doing great sports radio right now because we're doing list and the NFL. So uh, oh, that's the that's it's July. It's a perfect time. Yes. You know? <laughs> well, I was just it's saying the, about it's the only thing people want to talk about. Right I now. swear, I swear it. Is. You know, what? I was just saying ten minutes ago. I'm so glad the Raiders are opening up camp early, the 18th and the 20th next week, because I'm done with the list, and then I went right back into a list. But it kind of sets yep. up the. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Football Outsiders. List of quarterbacks, you know, A-plus down. Derek Carr was a B, but I wanted to start off in a light way. Is the uh, doinking, the mom's, whatever, the whole thing with Zach Wilson, does this bump, does this bump him up or down? Uh, neutral. Okay. Because here, here's how I feel about that. I'm just not going to give any starting quarterback that's worth millions of dollars props for, you know, Banging someone that's close to him. I don't okay. know. That seems like a very easy, attainable goal. Right. Uh, but we all. But so here's the thing, I, Charles. I, I, we we I don't the, we don't ding him. We don't ding him either because the opportunity's there. Right. Don't ding him. But I'm not praising you for this. Like. Okay. Oh no! Like you uh, you you bang someone that you've known for your whole life. That's not that impressive. All right. Um. Kind of weird. <laughs> when you put it that way, it's kind of well, weird. Well, but 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 yeah. in the not to get too <laughs> hardcore, but. 
in the overall it story. It's really weird when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> in the overall story of quarterbacks and what they're doing, um, he is ahead of Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson's like at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Deshaun it, Watson makes me not want to watch a Browns game this year. Like, it, I don't know. It ain't good. I don't feel it, that way about Zach Wilson. I it ain't good right now. It's a little bit weird. Well, so it's, it's all bad. It's, so let me ask you, because I saw one of your tweets, and I think it's spot on. Where are we at with the NFL when Deshaun Watson's probably going to get a shorter suspension than Calvin Ridley for throwing in a couple of uh, unwinnable parlays? Um, it just shows you exactly where their priorities lie with all of this stuff. You know, they the only thing that the NFL actually cares about beyond, you know, basically printing money at will is, like, the integrity of the game. And, you know, I guess it's an easier case for them. Like, if you're looking at it from this extremely narrow-minded point of view of, you know, players gambling on the games is worse than basically having a serial abuser get uh, the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. Uh, I think it's, 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 like, for any person that's not, like... (laughs) insulated in this world where, you know, you don't have many outside voices that are actually reaching you in a meaningful way, you can just see that, oh my God, like, this is ridiculous. Like, a player who's not on the field, like, you should be able to apply, like, degrees to basically everything you do, you know? Like, not everything has to be a blanket, like, black and white statement. You, you should be able to look at it and say, okay, obviously, we don't want players gambling on the games, but a player who's not on the field, not playing and, you know, betting on his team to win and to have the game. Like you should be able to look at that and say, that's not quite as dangerous as like one, a player, like, let's say, I don't know, Tom Brady goes out there and, and bets against the bucks and just throws like eight picks. Like there has to be like degrees on like what, what, what gets you like really tipped off for, like a year long suspension. And then obviously like to anyone on the looking outside in, what Calvin really did is not even like in the same universe as what uh, Deshaun Watson has been accused of and, you know, settled, you know, a, a fair amount of uh, his losses by now. So, you know, it's it, it just a reminder of like, what is important to the NFL? Uh, you know, the integrity of the game. Yes. Women no, And we'll see that I think with the suspension because, you know, it, it, there's been a lot of noise on both sides, like of the suspension debate, you know, and it kind of seems like, we were heading towards a year plus suspension with Deshaun Watson, but I think some of the leaks that are coming out recently. I don't maybe they're just off in his camp trying to get people back on his side, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be under for a full year anymore. And uh, and then you can even pair that with like the DeAndre Hopkins suspension, six games for taking steroids. Like, yeah, that's bad for the integrity of the game, bad for you know what they're trying to accomplish on the field. But again, like it it, it can't be in the same ballpark as you know, sexually harassing, abusing, sexual misconduct with, you know, damn near 30 women. It, 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 it's a really bad look for the NFL. And, I, and honestly, I think it just comes back to the idea that they're not really equipped to deal with all this. And I think we've seen that, like, going back to even, like, Ray Rice. Uh, and it sounds like they're going to fumble it again. And I don't think that they should be surprised if they give Deshaun Watson, like, a six- to eight-game suspension and people are furious about that. But, again, like, when you've insulated yourself with this much money and power, it's kind of hard to care about the outside of it. And from the, from the Ridley perspective, too, because, you know, I, I cover a lot in terms of sports gambling, and I'm an NBA writer from that aspect, too. 
But I feel like the, a lot of this, too, has to do with a little bit more education about the topic of sports gambling. Like, I think a lot of people just see Calvin Ridley bet NFL games and they think, oh, this is terrible. When if you're actually a little bit more educated on the topic, you realize when you're throwing in 16 parlays uh, and the, you know, the hold percentage on right. those and the fact that the books want you to bet those because there is a low probability of you winning them. He, he wasn't out there firing single game bets on, on contests for guys no. that he knows. Uh, this was like it looked like pretty recreational. Yeah, and I think, look, I'm a Falcons fan. If you want to get Calvin Ridley in trouble, you got to get him in trouble for actually betting on the Falcons to win. Yeah. Like, come on. Are you, are you trying to lose money, bro? Are, are you trying to lose money? This is a sorry-ass team. Like, maybe maybe we should suspend it for years for, like, not having better judgment and saying, like, hey, you know, if the Falcons are playing the Cowboys, maybe I want to bet on the Cowboys instead of the Falcons. I don't know. But that's where he's got himself tripped up. But I, I think I'm just on a more serious note. The NFL, they're just wholly incapable, I think, of dealing with like some of these more serious social views. Because I don't even think, like, in a vacuum, that suspending a player for a year for gambling is like an inherently bad thing. Because I do think, you know, even if I don't, even if I think the punishment is a little extreme, I do think that you want to send a message with that. But I, on the flip side, like, you have to be able to compare it to like what Deshaun Watson has been accused of. And if you're just going to do like conduct detrimental to the league, which is a very broad kind of vague statement, I would think that this counts a little bit more than an injured player or a player who's sitting out for his own reasons gambling on his team to win a game. It's just, it's really frustrating when you look at these people, you're like, man, you guys should like really have a better grasp on like what people think. But I think the the ultimate thing is they they don't really care. They want to get back to the shine off from the football player. And honestly, I think like this suspension might've been, divvied out a while ago if the lawsuits hadn't just kept piling up and piling up and they get out there and have missteps in public and HBO real documentary comes out. Uh, I think this is this suspension, if it's not a year, to me that's a signifier that the NFL is like, all right, we're done with this. It's time to move on and hey, I'm sure by next year when Deshaun Watson's throwing three touchdowns and has more touchdown passes and allegations finally, he'll uh he'll get his favor back with the fans. Mm-hmm. All right, so speaking of the Falcons, uh, their old quarterback, and speaking of quarterbacks and lists, it all ties together. Uh, so Football Outsiders has Matt Ryan as a C-plus quarterback when it comes to all the quarterbacks in the rankings. How, how much does Ryan have to offer for, for the Indianapolis Colts, do you think, in a system that has seemed to maximize uh, the quarterbacks that they have had? Was it now like five and whatever years that Frank Reich has been there? Yeah, I think, this is the, I think he's the best quarterback they've had since Andrew Luck retired. Um, I don't know. I... I, I, I I think that Matt Ryan has more in the tank than is uh, than maybe people are, are giving him credit for because last season, like that Falcons team had no business winning seven games. Uh, I mean, they had a, I think they had a worse point differential than the Lions. Somehow they almost scraped together like a, a, a near 500 season. Honestly, towards the end of the season, they were in the playoff race for like two weeks, and and a lot of that comes back to Matt Ryan. I mean, they had to me the worst offensive line. I, honestly, not not even just the worst offensive line, but since he's been here, I thought that was like the least talented team that they had had. And I think it showed up because like, when you look at some more advanced metrics like DVOA, uh, EPF to play, like they're really, really towards the bottom of the league with that, but they still end up winning seven games. And a lot of that is due to Matt. Uh, bad offensive line, probably the worst offensive line I've ever seen them have. You got, you know, Kyle Pitts is great, but he's a rookie. Calvin Ridley's gone. Julio's gone. You're bringing in a, a rookie head coach. The defense is bad. I mean, it, it was a really bad situation. And he had them, like, almost playoff relevant when they had no business being there. So now you look, I, I look at this situation, and I think Matt's going to have a great season. Uh, 
this is easily the most talented offense Monty's played with maybe since like the 2016 season or even before that, like the 2012, like Tom McClure was the center and stuff like that. Uh, I think that that's going to make a big difference for him. And then uh, there's an underrated part about where Matt Ryan is right now and like what the last few years in Atlanta have taught him. I think that his mobility has gotten better because he's kind of forced to do that with some of the boot stuff that Kyle Shanahan and Art Smith were, were kind of pushing in their offense. And, you know, it kind of gives Frank Wright a little bit more flexibility than he had with like uh, Philip Rivers a couple of years ago because Philip Rivers, you know, some of these older guys, you see with Ben Roethlisberger last year, the under center snaps get a little bit harder for them, you know, dropping back and trying to evade a rush gets a little bit harder for them. But I think that's one thing that Matt has done well in, in terms of like his own physical conditioning over the few years. So, you know, instead of being this offense, it's just going to live and die in shock. And I think you can get a little bit more under center, which obviously is going to benefit Johnson Taylor. It's going to benefit the offensive line and run game. And I think it's just going to open up a little bit more for them. Like, I think obviously the division is, is crap, but I think with Matt Ryan, the Colts should be able to run away. Charles McDonald. At four verts uh, on Twitter is up on the press box. It's Cofield. It's JVT. So the, the news dried up a little bit this week around the National Football League, some uh, crime blotter stuff, but also the Steelers naming rights for the stadium. I think a lot of people look at that and like, who cares? But I wanted to ask you, does it, should it matter to the average fan who is sponsoring, how big the deal is, and does that lead to um, more opportunities in terms of acquiring players? Uh. I don't know how much this has to do with like acquiring players. I mean, I, I think in general, fans shouldn't care. Okay. I, I, like if you're if you're a Steelers fan, you've been there for what? You've been a fan for thirty years. You're gonna stop calling it Heinz Field. You're gonna start calling it Ashley Sheriff Stadium. Probably not. Uh, but I, I do think to a degree, maybe we should care about like where this money is coming from because you do a little quick Google search on a uh, on Ashley Shore. You know, a little, little shady insurance practices back in the day. They're not accustomed to get their money by. Uh, Doing, doing a little loopholes with uh, New Jersey politicians over here. There's an article on the Gothamist that you can check out. Okay. That kind of details uh, some of the shady stuff that Acrisure is doing to get that money. And honestly, my, my red alarm went up when, you know, they, they had tagged the Acrisure account on Twitter and it has like 500 followers. And like, not verified 500 followers, but they have, you know, what, a couple hundred million dollars laying around to get the, the naming rights for the stadium or however much it costs. Maybe we should look into that a little bit. Maybe we should be asking a little more questions about where this money's coming from. Yeah. I'm not saying I have all the answers. Right. I'm saying we should be asking some questions. Well, I mean, it was certainly uh, weird that crypto is slapped on, you know, old staples. We'll see how long that lasts. But the reason I brought it up about player acquisition uh, is I feel like the Raiders, uh, with all of this new cash they got in, um, now have the ability to go out and sign big deals. And I, I still believe that Khalil Mack is not a Raider. Uh, because they didn't have the money on hand, right? I mean, you have to you have to pay up bonuses. I'll keep going, and we'll get them back on. But you have to pay up bonuses, John. And at the time, same thing with uh, – now I'm blanking on who was the receiver they traded to the Cowboys who's now with the Amari Browns. Cooper? Yeah, so Amari Cooper, that they were a little bit cash poor. Well, the Allegiant deal is $25 million a year. That all goes into the kitty and now makes the Raiders, you know, a fully viable NFL franchise. By the way, the this new company that took over the deal from Heinz – He's paying ten mil a year. It's pretty cheap. Is the I was going to say is the Steeler brand not strong enough to get more money than that? Well, not of that. And also, the this Heinz kind of, didn't want to match. Well, that was another question I had. If it's that cheap, well, yeah. Also, can I just say the non-serious topic yeah. here? 
Uh, ben Roethlisberger tweeted out, it's not the same for Hever, forever Heinz. Yeah, it's, that's Do you think weird. he's just a Heinz guy? Do you think he just uses Heinz products? Well, possibly, possibly. I'm a, <laughs> no. I, always, I, always, I always think sinister that he's got some back-end deal with Heinz to keep pumping him up. So, Charles, let me finish my point. My point was on the player acquisition stuff, I believe the Raiders had a pass on some players four and five years ago mm-hmm. because they didn't have the cash on hand. Now they get $25 million a year in a, for the naming rights with Allegiant in addition to all the other new monies they have in Vegas. Yeah, cash flow, I think, is something that doesn't get quite talked enough about because it's not like – I guess the way it can be like connected to the salary cap can be a little convoluted in like terms of where the money's coming from. But you know, I, I think not in the NFL, but just like a lot of businesses around the world or around this country, I should say, cash flow is important. Uh, and you know, some of that goes into signing bonuses, which I know if you if like if you get into these owners sometimes where they don't have other streams of income. Uh, that can be kind of difficult for them when yeah. it turns into, uh, you know, trying to find these bonuses. Like, you know, you look at the Warriors and what they've been able to accomplish in the NBA. Like, obviously, they've drafted well and been able to extend their own guys. But, you know, having businesses that can fund an entire basketball team without the basketball team needing to make money itself, right. like that level of wealth, that's, that's where you, like, you find, like, really competitive teams. So it's good for the Raiders because, like, like you said, I think it was a – I think with the Khalil Mack stuff, it was a – like one of the worst kept secrets in the league that Mark Davis was like kind of broke, relatively, I should say, relatively yeah. broke, because he's obviously not a broke person. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, you know, I think the next step as we start talking about understanding the cap and understanding what goes into these decisions that get players put on one team, traded from another team, contract extension, no contract extension, cash flow is a big thing. Uh, and I think that that's one of the next things we need to figure out how to talk about. We got one minute left. Let's close on this because while you were gone, we were discussing the deal is ten million dollars a year for the Steelers. You just mentioned it might be a shady company. It, the Steeler brand isn't worth more on the naming rights than the Raiders. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Doesn't <laughs> that seem like, weird? It seems like they cheated themselves. They're all. I mean, it feels like kind of weird though. Like they're kind of in this all this tradition business that they care about a lot more than other people. So maybe they just didn't want. Like, maybe they felt bad themselves if they were pulling in, like, $50 million a year. I don't know. I think that the Steelers, in their own way, are a little bit of a cult. Maybe this is an extension of that. <laughs> How about that? That's my final question to get. Steelers uh, fans are in a cult. At four verts, Steelers yeah. fans are a cult. I can go with that. Yeah. Charles, we appreciate it. Good spot. All right. Later, guys. There he is. Charles McDonald, you- NFL expert. I, I, I know that seems, like, out there. Did I kind of make sense there? Talking about the cash flow thing, that these these yeah. deals do matter. But as, as Charles said at the end, I do you buy that the Steelers are like we're too proud to take a lot of money? What well, do you mean? You're too proud to. But the thing that doesn't get make... fifteen or twenty million dollars and and get a more reputable company. Like I don't know. I would love to deep dive on who who put this deal together. Well, but again, like going back to again, if you want to go down the tradition path, like if you're down the tradition path, then you'd give Heinz a cheap deal to remain as the name of your stadium because that is synonymous with the Pittsburgh Steelers. End of the first half. And we're trying to hand the ball off to get to halftime. And Stephon Taylor, who never fumbles, I'm like, fumbles. When the ball went down on the ground, Andrew went from like the, the quarterback kind of posture and ball hit the ground and you see his body weight drop. And Andrew was a missile. He turned his body into a projectile. It was probably top 10 loudest hits I've ever heard in a football game. Now, I coached ten year, nine years in the NFL. I played with John Lynch, right? So even in practice, you heard those hits. This hit was vicious. 
All of the sun, none Little of the fun on the press box show. summer edition. Let me know everything's alright. Colts memories for John Von Tobel, who's a Colts fan. Wait, who is this? Seals and Croft? Who picked this one? Summer jams. Can we crank this up? Depends on depends on what era. Makes me feel fine. In the early seventies, and you're floating on a boat. Maybe a little whacked out. Riding the horse with name. There you go. There you go. There you go. You know, you uh, you made a good suggestion, or you had some good questions about the Steelers and their sponsorship. So uh, Charles McDonald was pointing out that this company, I'm, I, don't, I have no idea what the name is, and as I always say, they don't pay me, so I'm not going to mention the name. So they have a new name instead of it was Heinz Field, which is a big brand in Western Pennsylvania. They actually got a bargain. Allegiance paying twenty five million dollars a year for the stadium here. SoFi is paying twenty mil for the stadium in L.A. Heinz was on a deal where they were paying basically like I think it was like two point seven five million a year. New company comes in, gets or puts up ten million. A year, which we both thought, well, that's kind of low. Like the bar has been raised. It's one of the best brands in all of football. That's all the Steelers can get. You fired back with, well, if the Steelers are, you know, worried about taking too much money, then why not give Kraft Heinz a break? Now, as if I worked for the Steelers, I'd be like, I'm giving Kraft Heinz a break. The now they may still spend. Here's the thing: they may spend more than three million dollars, whatever their their average was two seven, right? They may spend more than that in the future. Yeah. So. I will say, can I? You can do anything you want. <laughs> so one of the things, look, I think if you're of an older generation, a lot of the stuff that you remember about your generation is incorrect, right? It right. probably sucked a lot more than you make it out to. Right. Um, but the one thing that I will agree with, and I don't know if this is like something older generations grab, you know, clench a fist and shake it at the sky, but the generation of nicknames has passed. And I do feel like when we think back on like history and whatnot, like when you're like, man, I remember going out to Heinz Field. Like everything's just going to be a brand. You know what I mean? Like 30 yeah. years down the road. Like does did it, did it have a nickname? We got to think of a better nickname. Because like with Ben, yeah, with well, Ben well, Roethlisberger tweeting out. New like, Three Rivers. Heinz forever. Like, okay, right. that's kind of weird. He's got to be getting money. You think? I would think so. Why would you do that? But then he's got a, what's the other ketchup brand? But he's got a fridge full of like. Hunts. Yeah, Hunts. Right. <laughs> I, frankly, I you know, it's funny. We were just playing. Signature select. We were just playing a summer jam. There are. Like, I so think this way now about giving free pops. Not that my voice has any value or pull, but I, I think of musicians, especially hip-hop artists, who are like, Patron this, this strand. I'm like, why? Are you getting paid for this? Absolutely. You think? Oh, yeah. You Wait, after, after they write the song? Maybe after, like, maybe back in the day it wasn't as prevalent, but now, yeah. What? This is our whole 9 o'clock hour. I didn't know that.